Hey Jubilee, we're so excited that you've joined us online today to listen to this message in our series, Unseen. If you haven't already heard, you can get better connected to our church by creating an account on JFC Portal or JFC Mobile. If you're on your computer, just go to jfc.org forward slash portal. And if you're on your mobile device, just go to your app store and search Jubilee Fellowship Church. If you'd like to give, just go to jfc.org forward slash give. Thank you so much and have a great day. How are you? Good to see you. Hey, on your chair, all the campuses, they put this little uh, card. Would you just grab it real quick? You may have to, maybe you've already pushed it on your neighbor's chair down on the floor behind you somewhere, but just grab it. Um, here's, we, we, we just uh, talked about it um, on the news behind me, but I want, I want you to take a look at this because I need your help with it. Um, church, both sides of it are really the same thing. One is the mobile application. The other one is really the desktop application. Uh, everything that I'll say about the desktop, the only difference with the mobile, obviously, is that you can just take it with you, which is probably the greatest benefit uh, to it. But here's what we need. The way that we're trying to do all of our tracking, the way that we're trying to do uh, all of the giving, uh, giving reports, all of that would be through this right here. And the only thing that won't make it work is if you don't sign up for it. Now, a great many of you have already done that, but I know some of you were just like, what's the purpose of it? Well, the app, it's, it's, it's a new app, actually, better app than the one that we had. But really, for all of our tracking purposes, our ability to mail, our ability to uh, let you know about what's going on, your ability to find out at any given time uh, who's doing what, when it's happening, costs, anything like that, is all available through this. I just want to encourage you one last time. Please take the time to sign up for this. Let me give you a practical way you could help our church. If I told you you could save us $2,000 that instead of postage we could put into outreach, would you be willing to just help me with something like that right there? We spend more than $2,000 mailing out giving reports at the end of the year for the ones that aren't picked up personally. We end up with that kind of a postage. If you would sign up for this, it would allow us to send it to you online secure so that we didn't even have the bill uh, to be able to do it. Now, what could we do with $2,000 besides spending it on the post office? Can you think of anything else you could do? Yeah. So I, I just, I would encourage you, there's a practical, but there's also just the idea of where we're trying to go. It really is accomplished through this. Uh, Marcus had you pull out your devices. Uh, we did that at all of our campuses, literally. Uh, would you take a moment and uh, uh, before you leave, would you download the new app um, uh, and the portal? Make sure you sign up for it. You can do it that way or at home. Either way, though, make sure you get that right there. And then the only other thing I want to do before I, uh, I teach um, Chris and I last weekend had a chance um, to, uh, to go back and, and, and be with our son. It's his senior year, and he's playing football back in Indianapolis. And um, uh, so that you know, um, you know, it's a short season, our last one, and we're hoping to get to two more games. So you just need to be a little, if you see me kind of hit and miss over the next month and a half, that's, I'm, I'm not just playing hooky. I'm not staying home watching uh, football. Um, I'm, I'm going to a game to watch my son finish up his, his career, and it's, uh, it's a real privilege. But as we, we got to do that, uh, Pastor Terry taught uh, for all of our campuses last weekend, and I, wanted, I thought Terry did a great job with his message. I just, I wanted to thank him. Powerful truth. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, 
I would encourage you, um, on our website again, you can download everything that we teach. is always archived on there. You can hear it anytime, uh, uh, absolutely free of cost. But uh, when it comes to this series, talking about spiritual warfare, Terry did with the, dealt with the issue of unforgiveness. What a powerful tool that is to hinder the enemy in our lives. Do you agree with that? And so I just thought he did great, and I just would encourage you to, uh, to take a look at that. Okay, uh, at all of our campuses, you're handed the notes. If you want to go ahead and get those out, if you have a pen, there are a few fill-in-the-blanks. If you're going to use a device for that, that's wonderful. If you just want to sit and listen, that's great, too. Let me welcome all of our campuses in. Hi, Lakewood. Hi, Highlands Ranch. Hi, Castle Rock. Welcome, Lone Tree, and those that are listening online. Uh, it is different locations, but it is definitely one church, and we want to welcome you all together this weekend for what God has. Uh, under the intro part right there, uh, the name of the series is Unseen. It's about spiritual warfare, and if you need the takeaway, like what, what's the whole thing about, what's the portable idea here, it's really these three words that I'm trying to teach, that we're trying to get across to you. We want to teach you how to recognize spiritual warfare in your life, the thing that makes our enemy so good at what he does is that he goes so unrecognized in what he does, if that makes any sense. So it's not enough to just say, okay, I know there's spiritual warfare. What is spiritual warfare? What's going on in your life? And, and in fact, this, this weekend, we're going to talk about recognizing some of the things in life that are spiritual warfare. And then past that, I want to teach you how to fight because it's not enough just to recognize something. You need to know how to fight against it once you recognize it. And then the bottom line, here, here's really what I want for every one of you that hear this message and, and can embrace it. I want you to win in your battle, man. I want you to come out on top. I want you to be successful. The Bible calls us to be more than overcomers. We're, we're supposed to win. Do you agree with that statement? And so this, that's what this is about. I want to teach you how to recognize how to fight uh, and how to win when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, the scripture we've kind of built this off of is Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, in particular, uh, we'll look at verse 12. Look Here real quick, you can see it again. Uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So I, I love this because he just so quickly, Paul so quickly just brings into focus where our battle is and what our battle is. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Uh, were that it, that it was true, that it's just flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is so easy to spot and sometimes easy to deal with. You can get your hands on it. You get it? But man, when you can't see it, it's a little more difficult to fight against. It, it's even more difficult sometimes to recognize it. So here, here Paul, just uh, quickly, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Real quickly, he uses four uh, descriptive terms for what we're fighting against. Evil rulers, authorities, powers, and evil spirits. Are, are they all just uh, simply the same thing? Is he just using four descriptive terms? Or is he actually teaching us here that there are levels of things that you fight against? If I were to say there was a power and an authority, a power could be recognized in someone that uh, is at a particular level in life, but an authority is at a higher level. You, you understand that? So he's teaching here there are authorities and different levels that we fight at. Okay, where I would go this weekend then, uh, at your transition point right there, let me talk about recognizing unseen warfare. It's almost uh, sort of an oxymoron to recognize the unseen, and yet that's exactly what he tells us to do. We look at the unseen. With spiritual eyes, we're able to see things that are not easily seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. The first part of the verse says, We fix our eyes not on what is what? But on what is unseen. Yes or no? Does that seem like an oxymoron? To fix your eyes on what you can't see. Think about it for a moment. Does that, does that seem impossible? 
He's not talking about what you can see physically. He's talking about spiritual eyes to see what's going on inside of your life, inside of your community, inside of your world. So he said it is possible for you to have eyes to be able to see what the enemy is up to and what, what, what God wants to do. So with that, I'm going to go into three things on recognizing spiritual warfare. Now look at me real quick. Don't, don't get ahead of me. I want to say this. These are not like the only three things that represent sports, spiritual war. In fact, if I, I thought, how, how many, I could teach all day long just on the different ways that the enemy will try to come against us. What I'm doing with these three, I kind of looked at my life. I've done this for a long period of time now, 30 years. Uh, th this comes from, say, like throw everything together. These are ways that I see people uh, not recognize the enemy infiltrating their life. Ways that, that people just don't, they don't get it. And, and when you don't get it, I mean, how do you fight against something that you don't ever see? It's even sort of difficult. How, how does a person even gear up for a battle they don't even know is occurring? Does that, does that make sense? And so many times stuff just happens to us. We just accept it like, well, that's just the way that it is. What if that's not the way that it is? What if you recognized it so that you could battle against it so that you could overcome it rather than just put up with stuff? What if you didn't have to just be beat up all the time? What if you could move forward? So this, this really will go into some of those unseen areas. Uh, let me give you the first one. It is a fill in the blank. Uh, simply unanswered prayer. Think about this for a moment. Could unanswered prayer be spiritual warfare in your life? Could the devil be messing with you so that your prayers aren't answered? So all right, a long time ago, when I first went to Bible school and, and uh, I heard a guy teach on prayer and how God answers prayer. Maybe you've heard this. It's sort of like a little cliche. Uh, God answers prayer in one of three ways. Anybody ever heard this before? So, so the first one is yes. Second one is no. What's the third one, if anybody remembers? Wait, don't you heard the same teaching, didn't you? And we just tend to accept that, okay, so God answers prayer one of three ways. Yes, no, wait. How do you know? It's like you pray one time, and if you got it, that was yes. If you didn't get it, that was no. And if you're hoping, maybe just wait. How do you know? How do you know what the devil's messing with? How do you know what God wants to do? How do you know how to pray? So funny enough, my notes don't cover the Lord's Prayer, but in the worship this weekend, in uh, the, the introduction to the message, we talked a little bit about the, the Lord's Prayer. I, I'm going to go to that place for just a moment with you when it comes to the idea of unanswered prayer. How do you know how to pray and what you're to pray for and what does God want us to pray and what does God say yes to? Well, the clearest definition is the Lord's Prayer. Say it with me real quick. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy as it is in heaven. So you're praying God's will, right? When you pray on earth as it is in heaven. So then all a believer needs to do is to realize what it's like there to know how to pray here. So uh, is there sickness in heaven? If you're confused on that issue, you probably won't pray with any power. Do you agree? Uh, how, how, is, is, is the devil free to roam heaven terrorizing people? Is there divorce in heaven? Death in heaven? Anxiety in heaven? So, 
Just, I just want you to think about it. Because for so many of us, we just look at this world, we look at our lives, and we just say, well, that's just, yeah, Pastor. I, I mean, theologically, that's true. But we don't quite live in heaven. We live somewhere south of that. <laughs> we just sort of, it's the way that it is. I mean, you're, you're sort of talking about like the exception to the rule. The way that we're taught to pray is to the exception of the rule. Our job is to reestablish God's will, His purpose here on. That's how we're supposed to pray. So that if you want to pray with power, you need to be in agreement with God's will. Let me say it over here. If you want to pray with power, you need to be in agreement with God's will. Do you agree with that? So when we pray, what does God say yes to? He says yes to what His will is. Is it his will to heal people? So when it doesn't happen, does that mean God just said no or wait a while? What does it mean? How do we pray? What do you do? Um, recently we taught a series. Um, we used a character from the Old Testament, Daniel. And there was a story in Daniel I never even had a chance to get to. But when it comes to unanswered prayer... Uh, it's a long chapter. It's a, it's a long story. I try to condense it here a little bit. This is from Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and uh, 13. Daniel is praying for God to move in a powerful way. And the Bible says that it's so important to Daniel, he actually begins to fast. He really gets serious. This is not just like he's repeating a prayer or he's just like, God, I, I really wish you would do this and then prays it one time and forgets. This is like important to him. I mean, he's really after it. And he's not getting an answer to his prayer. And while he's in the middle of this time of trying to hear from God and just like, you know, really, really concentrating, God, what are you saying? And he, he's just before God, an angel shows up. And an angel has this conversation with Daniel, and it's really insightful on the way things work spiritually when we pray. So the, the he right here is an angel. So the angel said to Daniel, don't fear Daniel. From the very first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words or your prayers were heard. So the very moment you began to pray, when did God hear your prayers? Right off the bat. The moment you speak them, God hears your prayers. But it also triggers a spiritual battle that happens. And the way it's described right here, look at this. And I, this angel, have come because of your prayers. Now look at this next part. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days or three weeks. So what Daniel started praying three weeks ago. And the moment he prayed, God heard his prayer. But he wasn't getting an answer to his prayer. You know, an angel is just simply, it's a messenger of God. The way at times God answers our prayer is to dispatch an angel to do something. Many of the things that go unseen by us have angelic issues behind them. Do you believe in the demonic? Then you should believe in the supernatural of God with his angels too. Think about this for a moment. So sometimes the way that God answers our prayer is that he will send an angel to do so unseen. We're praying and God goes yes to it and sends an angel unseen. But that angel then has a battle. And so this is what's being explained. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, this is an archangel... Michael, one of the chief princes or archangels, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Here's what this, this angel is saying. You prayed, 
God said yes and sent me an answer to your prayer. But it took me three weeks battle to get here. Because Paul taught that we wrestle against authorities, spiritual wickedness, kingdoms in the air that we can't see. That this angel is battling to get through. So what he, here's, here's poor Daniel. He can't see any of this. He sees none of it. He prays a prayer. Here's my thought to you. What if he had prayed, he doesn't get his answer by the second day, so he just figures, eh, I guess God doesn't want to do this. What happens? Answer my question. What happens? How many of you pray and nothing happens? Ugh! Wake up. Wake up right now. Shake yourself awake. Think about this. What if when we pray, there's a spiritual battle that's triggered instantly, and our place in it is to grab hold of God and to hold on for dear life while we're praying? What if we need to quit praying anemic, pathetic, unpassionate prayers? Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Don't rote, repeat, just give blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The book of James says the effectual, fervent, or passion-filled prayer of a righteous person avails in heaven. When's the last time you got after it in your prayer life? No, I'm asking you, right? listen, when's the last time, do you even pray that way? So let me give you an example. Uh, my family, all the way back in several generations, both sides, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, dealt with alcoholism. When I began this series, I talked about the well. How many of you, two weeks ago, you were here when I started the series? Talk about the well-worn path. So I didn't mention this. I, I, driving back to my house, I thought I should have talked about this. Alcohol in and of itself, leave it as just amoral for a moment. Neither good nor just by itself for a moment. The reason that some people can and not sin with it and others can't handle it at all is because it becomes a well-worn path the enemy can use in certain people's life. So you can't ever look at it and go like, well, it's just clear no one can or everybody. You can't look. What is it that the enemy can do in your life that he doesn't mess with in somebody else? That's why this issue, like any issue, you've got to look at the issue. What is the enemy able to do with? So my family, alcoholism goes back generations, man. None of them could have a drink and stop. None of them. They would start drinking and a week would go by. See, I... Am I the only one in the room? Just, does anybody else have anything in your family in your past? It's not you, but those people back there. <laughs> so I, I, we would see this in the generations. Now, I won't name who, but one of mine very close dealt with, with alcoholism. Was born again, and the enemy kept a hook in the person. You understand what I mean by that? It's like they're born again, man. They, they have found Jesus. They have found new life. They are forgiven. But the enemy had a hook that wouldn't let them go. So how do you know when something's a spiritual battle? When you can't stop it. But let me... Do you, I mean, is that... That's like foundational truth. If you can't control it, guess what? Guess what? You've got a spiritual battle on your hand. All right, this person is asking for prayer. Help me. Pray for me. And sometimes we say that, you know, we just kind of, those are, it's almost like, hey, you know, if you think, pray for me. 
I started praying for this person. Nothing is happening. Man, they're claiming that the blood of Christ has made them new. They're claiming that Jesus has set them. I mean, all, but nothing is changing here. And I, I remember where I was. I was still a youth pastor. I was walking in the basement of a church praying. I just walked back and forth while I was praying. And I felt the Lord said to me, sort of along this line right here, if it were you, how would you be praying right now? Would you be passionate about this? Now look, you don't have to do this. Passion does not mean loud necessarily. Do you agree with that? Now passion can mean loud, but it doesn't have to mean loud. But it does mean your heart is into it. You're not just going through the most. You're not just like, God, this would be nice. This is like there's a battle going on right now. So I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm not saying you have to do this. This is what I did. I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that. And I had a picture instantly in my head of this person in my family who was trapped in a wall all around them and couldn't get out. Was crying, was asking God, and just could not break this thing in their life. And I felt like the Lord had sent me inside this thing and told me to break this wall down. So in my prayer, while I was doing this, I did it out loud and I did it physically. I put my fists together and I began to swing at this. Nobody else is there now. This is a long time later, so I'm not embarrassed to tell you this now. <laughs> but I saw myself swing and I'm yelling, you have no right to hold on to this person any longer. You must let go. This is not just simply a drink. It's a demon that's put a hook in a person. You have to let go according to the word of God. And I fought the news. That person for more than 20 years is delivered of alcohol. Has not drank one time since then. Not one time. Not one time. Look, our problem is our, our, the, the, the natural mind gets in and starts to, yeah, but what about all the other people? And the devil, C.S. Lewis said it this way. The devil's number one focus before you're a believer is to keep you from becoming a believer. And if he can't stop that, then it's to make you nominal in your faith once you are a believer. To water you down, to take the gospel and make it reasonable so that when you, pr you don't pray with any power or conviction over it, you're just not quite sure. Does it make any sense? I, I was reading today, here's what C.S. Lewis said about spiritual warfare. He said of the two great mistakes that mankind makes with spiritual warfare, here they are. One is to not take the devil seriously, and the other one is to take him too seriously where you give him too much credit. Focus on God, but we do have a spiritual battle. Look, when you go to pray, you trigger something in the heaven. Do you believe this? You recognize, if you don't believe this, then when you leave, you will pray with no authority and power. You, you, you're beat before you start. But if you realize what... What God has, what goes, and we tend to think, well, God's just sovereign. I mean, if he just wants to do it, right? He's, folks, we live, what God wanted for us, what we did, and what Jesus has, re there's a battle that happens for us. We partner with God in that. Am I, am I making sense in what I'm, what I'm saying? Um, Mark 9, 29, Jesus. Jesus, um, Jesus at any time had full authority over the enemy. Jesus, Jesus didn't, the wrestling, it wasn't, 
he had full authority. He knew who he was. He knew who God was. He, he, knew, he knew how to pray. But he was teaching the disciples how to do that. Now, on a certain level, when Jesus dealt with the demonic, uh, if it was a manifestation of something in a person's life, often he would just simply say this, let go. Stop. Come out. And the, the demonic would have to just simply let go. Well, the disciples saw him doing this, and he taught them how to do this. And so they had, uh, they had great success multiple times in confronting the spiritual battle. But occasionally, uh, Jesus could do something the disciples couldn't do. And, and the disciples in this particular verse come across the demonic where what they had done in the past didn't work currently. So they, they find a poor, uh, it's a kid being just tormented by, by the enemy. I mean, the enemy causes this kid to, to fall into fits. The kid tries to drown himself, throw himself into the fire. Uh, Jesus has dealt with this, and this time he lets the, the disciples, he encourages them to deal with it, uh, just by implication. So they try to deal with it, and, and nothing happens. So they come back to Jesus with the normal question, like, why did it work before? Why, why isn't this working right now? And Jesus gives us this insightful idea, again, to the supernatural. So Jesus said to them, this kind of demonic can come out by nothing except prayer and what? So he adds another, this is a higher level, so you have to take a further step. What is it that you're dealing with in your life where you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and it doesn't change? What have you said about that? Have you just said, this is the way that it is, it'll never change, it must not be God's will, this is my thorn in the flesh? What have you reasoned away that God didn't want you to let go of? You okay? This kind of turns my crank when I start teaching on stuff like this. Getting people set free and holding on to all that God has for them is like a thing I'm very... Can you tell I'm passionate about this? I get very passionate about this. <laughs> the, the only thing that I want to point out to you here is that if it's all just like one level, same thing, then there's no reason for Jesus to teach a higher level in dealing with something. You, get, you see that? Yeah. If it's all just the same, he never, teaches us, he never needs to teach us how to do anything else. But in this, it's like add fasting to it. There, there's a fasting. What does fasting do for you in the natural? Lose weight. Who said it? That's it, isn't it? Other than losing weight in the natural, what else does it do for you? So we don't fast to lose weight. Do Weight Watchers. It's easier. Slim Genics. Something like that will work better. We don't fast to lose weight. We fast for what reason? Anybody know? Spiritual realm. Yes or no? So I, you know what? I, here, here's my thought. I'm talking to people right now where I'm assuming that the base knowledge of this is there, and I'm wondering how many people even have ever even attempted to fast. They think that's just some old-fashioned Old Testament thing. While we get slaughtered. Hmm. Unanswered prayers I, two unusual events unusual events all right um, I I'm a pretty practical person I, I, I think that's the way I see I, I pretty much just look at things and go hey one and one is two 
That's just, that's, it just needs to add up. I, I think I'm a pretty practical person. I don't walk around seeing demons all over the place. I, I don't, mostly in my life, attribute that much power to the enemy. In my, but there are times, yes or no, that the, the enemy gets a hold of something. So, but I, I, I still think I'm a pretty practical person. So a scripture that I kind of, um, when it comes to unusual events, this is my first fallback um, in, in, my, in my way of reasoning what's going on in my life. Okay, say it one more time. This is my first, my, my first assumption is not the devil's doing something. My first assumption is this. Jesus is teaching again um, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And then he just brings this out. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous. So my first way of looking at my life generally is, hey, good things happen to bad people. Bad things can happen. It rains on both people. Do you agree with that? It's just the way life is. But when it's unusual or when it's like just a, a prolonged or an incredible uh, series of events that begin to happen, instead of just going, oh, it rains, maybe we should go, what is going on here? So we started the church. First time I really recognized, we started the church. I just wrote this little factoid down. Look at this right here. I had to go back and count in my mind, write down uh, exactly what they were. This happened to us. Uh, we totaled five vehicles in 24 months the first two years we started this church. Five vehicles in 24 months. So do the math. That's one vehicle every five months. When's the last time that happened to you? Prior to that, maybe we had totaled one vehicle. After that event, I don't think we've totaled a vehicle. But we went to this thing. When we first started the church. Do Every time we turned around, not only did something like this happen, but it was cost. Can you imagine the cost in that? The message was clear. Stop. And this will stop. So here's my question to you. If you don't recognize that it's a spiritual battle, what would you do about it? Just keep buying cars? Let me ask over here. I want you to think about what I'm saying. If you don't recognize it as a spiritual battle, what would you do if you found yourself in that situation? You just keep buying cars? I get mad, you know, you guys need to learn how to drive better. <laughs> Call the insurance, we have to lower our deductible. So how would you handle, how do we handle many spiritual battles that we don't recognize are a spiritual battle? It's exact, what does the devil do to us when we don't recognize? Yeah, the moment, I, I tell you when it dawned on us, you probably are faster than I am. You probably would have had this at the second car. It was the fifth car when I finally realized what was going on. I was standing in Littleton Hospital in the emergency room. I had gotten a telephone call. Chris, Amy, and Katie had been in a horrible accident. And the telephone call was, get here as quick as you can. Now, I should have listened further, but I panicked, man. Dropped the phone, ran out. They were a little cut up and a little bloody, but nobody's life was in jeopardy. And I stood there, and I, and I thought my life almost stopped right now. Almost lost three at one, one shot. And I felt in my spirit take authority over this. What is it going to take for you to finally take authority over this? Does anybody hear what I'm saying right now? What, what, will it, what has to happen before you go, this is not normal? This is not what God wants. I play a part in this. 
What's your mind reason away when I say that? She begins to just, yeah, but stuff just happens. I mean, Pat, how do you know? When it's unusual. Can you handle if I talk to you about unusual events in my life? <laughs> I was in my house one time in the middle of what we thought was a spiritual battle and Chris and I were praying in our bedroom and I looked up and I just saw a shadow dart. That's all I saw was a shadow. It freaked me out. I, I'm not an exorcist guy. Freaked me out, man. I jumped up. I thought, what is that? And I ran to look and down my hallway, two pictures pop off the wall on both sides. It's weird, isn't it? That's weird. Now, this kind of stuff, by the way, just so you know, th this is not what I go home to every afternoon. <laughs> Okay, don't, don't be like. <laughs> it's the only time ever that that has happened to me. So my first instinct, I was afraid. The second instinct is that thing has no right to be in my house. Whatever that is, it has no right to be here. And I ran down the stairs chasing it, <laughs> not knowing what it was. And got to the bottom of those stairs and said out loud, this is God's place. The blood of Jesus draws a line here and you don't belong in this place. When do we stop allowing the devil to just run? So what does it, what has to manifest before we recognize? The enemy's trying to just make any sense? I, I I don't know if I've ever taught that before because when I say it, I realize it sounds weird. I, I realize I look something like that. I, I knew that guy was hearing voices. I. <laughs> so let me give you the last one. Just I, I need to unidentifiable strife. So now remember, this is not uh, this is not an exhaustive uh, study on spiritual warfare. I cannot name everything that you've had happen to you this week. I'm telling you three bigger, unanswered prayer is a big one we all deal with. Unusual events. When I say it, maybe you'll begin to recognize, this is not normal. This is not just rain. Does that make, do you hear what I'm saying? This is not just a usual occurrence. There's the last one. Uh, let me just give you this one. I have found this one to be a big one. Most people do not recognize it. This takes such advantage of us. Uh, unidentifiable strife. James 3.16. Look at this real quick. Look what Paul writes. Where envying and what is? Has anybody in here ever dealt with strife? So let me, let me just tell you real quickly about strife. Strife is a spirit. Remember this. You cannot handle strife by fighting with strife. If you swing at strife, it's already figured out you're going to swing and it's a move ahead. Of, it's a spirit that will begin to take over every area of your life if you get into strife. It's one of the... Terry, when he taught on, on forgiveness last week, he didn't get into the idea. One of the ways we hinder the enemy immediately is if we do the opposite of what he wants us to do. Strife wants us to fight. If you won't fight with it, you can hinder it in its power. But let me point this out to you. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil. If you find strife, close behind strife, you'll find all sorts of evil things that begin to happen. Wicked things. Strife is a wicked thing. 
Most of us do not recognize strife for what it is. The Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. In a marriage, real quickly, strife is so easy to get into. So easy to get into. It is so easy to blame the wrong thing for our problems. Because when we can, if it's human, we can see it, we can touch I'll fix it. But if it's a spirit, we don't recognize it. I'll strife it. Listen to me. When it's unidentifiable, here's what I've learned. When you're around something that's strifeful and you can't put your finger on why it's strifeful, listen real quickly. If you can't identify why it's strifeful, it's a spirit. Be very careful. I'm going to say it one more time. If you get around something that's very strifeful, sometimes there's reasons why things are strifeful. But if you get around people or places or things that happen in your life that bring a lot of strife, and you just can't put, I don't know, what's going on here? That's a spirit. You're not, it's unseen warfare that's going on at that. Does that make sense? What do you do about things like that? I just gave you one of the biggest ones. Strife, you get it out of your life. Quickly. Now some of you just heard, Ah, you get rid of the person. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, next weekend, I'm going to deal with spiritual warfare in your family. You don't want to miss that one. I'm going to tag team that one. It'll be an interesting, I, I think you'll, you'll get a lot out of that. I'm going to teach you not just recognizing, but fighting. How do you fight? Because the logical place to go with this, but how do, you, so how, do you get, how do you deal with these things then? Okay, my ministry time, then I, I, I don't see this one as like for everybody. What I told our staff coming into this weekend is that I, I think, here's what I'm doing. I'm not calling you to this. Here's what I'm doing. So I feel like the Lord told me, uh, starting on Wednesday, I'm going to fast for a period of time. It's just something I felt like the Lord came to me and just spoke to me about fasting. And then as I put this message together, I see Jesus said, this kind, this in particular, comes out through prayer and fast. So I want to speak to a particular person in here. Is there something that you've dealt with for a long period of time that your prayers have not been answered? And you... Is there anything that triggers in your heart right now? Is there a person, a situation? Is there a bondage? Think of, and maybe as you go home, maybe the Holy Spirit will trick. Here's what I want you to do this week. Perhaps our answer is not as simple as saying, stand and we'll pray right now like we did a couple of weeks ago. Maybe we need to fast. So this is for a particular person. Is there an area in your life where you're just not getting a breakthrough? I want to help fast for you this week. So my email is john at jfc. Telephone number's on almost everything we print. Our website. If you need someone to fast with you. Don't go, pastor, take care of this for me. So don't believe it works that way. I'll fast with you this week. I don't know why God called me to do it, 
But all of a sudden, this thing kind of came together for me. I want to fast with people in my church that need a breakthrough. I'll fast with you. If there's something that you can identify, you're just like, man, I've just been, I've just been, I can't get past this. Let's believe God to do something great in your life this week. Let's believe God to set you free. Let's believe that the enemy can be hindered and that you can recover what's been stolen. Or you can discover what you don't know. Agree? Let me know. I'll fast with you this week. I'll pray for you. Spend time from Wednesday forward. We'll pray and I will fast for you. I'm not calling my staff to it. I didn't feel like God told me to tell. It's just something I felt like God put on my heart to do. So it's for a specific, maybe not many, but for a specific. So, Father, we love you. God, as you take this message right now, and I know it filters through so many different minds, through so many different levels and ways, would you just speak to us and make it clear? Lord, um, again, two, two mistakes in dealing with spiritual warfare, to just simply ignore it at our own peril, or to become too focused on the enemy and preoccupied with what he's doing. Father, you've called us to battle while keeping our eyes on you, to win while walking in and with the tools that you've given us. And Lord, this message is not enough. I, I don't want to just educate people on spiritual warfare. I want people to be set free. Church, I'm going to say that one more time. I don't want to just educate you. Lakewood, I don't want to just educate you. Highlands Ranch, I'm not trying to just teach you. Castle Rock, this is not just so that you're smarter. Lone Tree, I don't want you just to say amen. I want you to be set free. I want you to win. I want you to overcome. I want you to find the enemy rendered powerless in your life and God's will brought to bear. That's the will of God. It is okay to pray that way and to pray that way fervently because that's the will of God. Father, speak to us right now. Lord, work in our lives. God, help us to be what you've called us to be and to walk the way that you've called us to walk. And Father, for people in this room whose eyes aren't even opened to what I'm saying right now, open our eyes. Let us see, Father. Let us see. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for what you want to do in this message. The excitement and the hope in me. Ooh, I wish, God, get that across to people. It's an exciting time, not a scary time. It's a hopeful time, not a defeating time. Father, help us in these things. And I pray it now in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Thanks, church.